first reading comes from Malachi, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, I believe. I say that because it wasn't, I wasn't sure, the first service uh, read different in a couple different places, but I'm going to read this. From the prophet Malachi, look, I'm sending my messenger who will clear the path before me. Suddenly the Lord whom you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you take delight is coming, says the Lord of heavenly forces. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can withstand his appearance? He is like the refiner's fire or the cleaner's soap. He will sit as a refiner and and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. They will belong to the Lord, presenting a righteous offering. The, The offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in ancient days and in former years. Now we turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the fifteenth year of the rule of the emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea, and Herod was ruler over Galilee, his brother Philip was ruler over Aturia and Trachonitis, and Lysanias was ruler over Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. John went throughout the region of the Jordan River, calling for people to be baptized, to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. This is just as it was written in the scroll of the words of Isaiah the prophet. A voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The crooked will be made straight and the rough places made smooth. All humanity will see God's salvation. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Please pray for me. Almighty God, I thank you that we come together, that we come in the midst of our worry and stress and schedules, that we can come and be with you and you will be with us. I ask that you speak through the prophets of old, that their words and their message speak through me in spite of me, that we hear their message in spite of ourselves. Lord, bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, that they may be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So I had a first car, as I imagine some of you did, right? You remember your first car? Do you remember in strangely vivid detail the things about your very first car because it was it was a pretty special moment to have the first car maybe it was new and maybe it wasn't mine was not and mine I wasn't even that excited about it was a great car I didn't take it for granted but what I was really excited about was my second car which was actually well it was a 1974 Volkswagen Super Beetle stop light yellow red or stop light yellow period Bright yellow, it might say it was hideous, but I loved that car. So as much as I loved my first, I was excited about my Super Beetle. And I, I loved to spend as much time in it as I could. You know the smell of old cars? You know that every inch of that car is polishable and washable, no plastic on it. It was uh, fun to wash, and I washed it a lot. And I would get in the back, and I'd vacuum it out as often as I could. 
and I took about eight people to school with me every morning. So you can do the math on how many that car can seat and how many I took. I was very proud of that car. But over time, I didn't wash it as often. Over time, it got a little dirty, and I didn't get to it quite as quickly. And we can identify with that, maybe not with our first car, but perhaps our, a set of clothes we've, we've received. Maybe every set of clothes we receive, we don't want to get anything on it or near it, and you don't wear it when you're going to communion because we're going to have grape juice and you don't want to get it on there, right? Or maybe your electronics, you're very careful with it, you don't, you don't haphazardly swing it around in your hand and your phone and throw it to your friend when they ask to see it. Yeah, or maybe it's your, your house. You got a new house and you love it and you clean it and you take care of it and you address everything that needs to be addressed if you can. Maybe it's a new relationship and you're very excited about this new relationship and you do everything you can to nurture it. But like everything else over time, we give it less and less attention if we're not careful. And that can be the case with anything. And sometimes it's out of our control and sometimes it's well within our control. If you're just like me, you just get on to other things that are exciting and you let some things go. And we, I'm reminded of this at Christmas time because we're going to be hosting some family and all of a sudden the dishes don't look as appealing sitting in the sink or that stain in the rug. I want to get that clean because people are coming over. I don't know why I didn't want to clean it before, but I do now. Anyone with me? Or you have that room where you keep putting stuff and you keep putting stuff and years go by and you don't even know how it got there and you don't know who's going to clean it up. Or you look at the wall and you see that spot that happened three years ago and you think, why haven't we fixed that yet? And suddenly, when you know guests are coming, you're getting everything done, aren't you? Or maybe it's an open house. Or maybe it's something where you want to present what you have and you, you see it differently when you know that guests are coming. Suddenly, the dirt you were perfectly comfortable in haunts you. And you wake up at night sweating. Or is it just me? I don't really do that. But I... Uh, you know, I, I, we're working to prepare our home. And I think about my mom, whose house is always clean. Even if we just pop by, it's clean. The bathrooms, you could eat off the floor. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, but you could. And it's always in order, just in time for my wonderful girls to come and in their Tasmanian devil whirlwindness, uh, completely shatter the ambiance of that home really quickly, but bring joy and presence and, and all those things. And we are preparing for Christmas, and so we're preparing our homes, and we're doing all sorts of things in our day-to-day -day schedule. We're buying gifts, we're sending cards, we're cooking, we're inviting, we're gathering, we're singing, we're planning, we're laughing, we're waiting, we're counting down, we're lighting candles, we're doing all these wonderful things. The tendency to overlook Advent is understandable in our culture. Why would you want to hear John the Baptist when you have Bing Crosby? Or, or why would you want to listen to Malachi when you can put on It's a Wonderful Life? We know what we'd rather do, and, and Advent sometimes falls by the wayside. But we find the words of the prophets in our readings today as something we need to hear. But before we get to those words, last week we started with the word stand. And we hear the words of Jesus telling us we can stand with our heads high at the coming of the Lord, when the judgment of the Lord arrives because we stand upon a firm faith, and a firm foundation upon the grace of God. Amen? Remember this, because we're going to come to the Word today, refine, and it can get a little heavy. But we started with a hopeful word on purpose. Refining. It's about purifying, as Malachi explains it. To refine gold or silver, you have to put it to fire. To refine white clothing back to brilliance, you have to put it to the cleaner's soap 
or fuller's soap as it is in our scripture, which has lye in it. To refine a rose bush, my gardener friends, you have to prune it. To prepare the way for the Lord, we must be refined. Malachi came to the people of Israel in his day, and in his day, the mess had cluttered up to the point where people didn't see it anymore. Malachi operated in the day of the second temple. So the first temple was destroyed. Israel was carried off into exile. They spent a generation there. They eventually came back. They reestablished Israel. And eventually they built the temple and reconsecrated it into the second era or the second temple. And that's where Malachi takes place. Time had passed and what was once pristine and excitement had, was a part of everything and their faithfulness was all geared up and good to go because they did not want to go back into exile, waned. And the things that wouldn't stand started to become a normal way of life, just like our homes or just like my Volkswagen Super Beetle car. Malachi says to them, you know, God's judgment's coming. And we have lost our way. And we must be refined. Who can stand in the presence of God? The Levites and priests had strayed. They'd started to do things that were a little bit out of God's way, and part of that was because when they came back from exile, there were people that hadn't been exiled that were living in the homes of the people that had been exiled, and when they came back, they weren't really happy about it. And then their kids, some of them got married, and so you can understand how this feud is now bringing marriage, bringing people together. Now there are three groups of people and no one likes each other and some of the focus had drifted away from God and onto their own focus. Can we identify with this? Come on, raise your hands. We see it in the church, we see it in our country, we see it, we understand. Malachi, written in 5th century BCE, offering words that are relevant today. And Malachi ends his book speaking of Elijah coming. Prepare the way, because Elijah's coming. At the end of Malachi, do you know what the next page is in your Bible? Matthew 1. Malachi, right to Matthew. Elijah's coming, and then we have our Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and they tell of John as Elijah, which is why he wears camel hair and a leather belt. He is Elijah. He has come, and he's crying out to the people in first century and crying out the same things. You've lost your way. You started out in a good place. You were excited about the faith that you had, but you've let clutter come in. Now, in their day, they were occupied by Rome, so there were a few different things in the way. One is, Rome demanded you worship Caesar. Well, if you are a good Israelite, you can't do that. So they worked out a deal. They would raise money for Caesar. They would allow Rome to govern their land, and they appointed who the kings were, and the kings paid taxes to Rome, and Rome said, but you don't have to worship Caesar. They kind of aligned themselves with a patriotism with Rome, which, can you blame them? I mean, eventually they fought back against Rome, and Rome erased Jerusalem from the face of the earth. The temple was never rebuilt to this day. They were trying to spare their faith, but they let some things in. And not only that, but they were blaming all the wrong people. See, John was in the wilderness. John knew that God's way was always about the shrinking of the gap between the haves and the have-nots. But what had happened in Israel in their day was the Sadducees, Pharisees, that those groups were becoming accustomed to 
receiving good pay and lots of money and ignoring the widow and the orphan and the lame and the blind and the poor, and the gap was widening. It took John going outside of this system to look at it and see it. Where did John go? The desert, the wilderness, beyond the system, which is where he lived. And he called for a way of repentance, refinement. And he quotes the words from Isaiah, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley will be filled. Every mountain and hill will be leveled. The gap will shrink. No more crookedness. No more uneven ground. All humanity will see God's salvation. Repent. Or another way to say it, rethink things. Or another way to say it, change your mind. Or another way to say it, turn around. Or another way to say it, reorient yourself back to God. Look beyond your own life and your everyday routine. Look beyond what you'd grown to know and love and live and understand. Recognize that you need healing, that you need refining so that God can actually forgive you. And then do something about it beyond just recognizing it. This calling is a wonderful invitation to be refined. Yes? We want to be, who doesn't want to be refined? All of us. All of us. Because we know it's wonderful. But remember that fire part and that lye soap and that pruning? It hurts to be refined. We're going to lose part of the lives that we live. Part of the things we possess, they're going to go away if we are refined. Even though we will be made much better, we're going to fight the process. And that's normal. Do you see why the religious leaders of John's day fought the process? Yep. They didn't want to recognize that they had become part of the problem. And can you blame them? And before you say yes, do you put that same blame on yourself? Do you want to consider how far you've drifted? How far we have drifted? Remember, our first word was stand, hope. Hold on to that. In John's day, there were different groups of Jews. There were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, the Essenes, and others. And what they did was this. It's your fault. And it's your fault. And it's their fault. And it's their fault. And they're pointing fingers. Is what they did. They blamed everybody. And John says, if you want to do the real work, then you're going to have to look within. You're going to have to be refined within. That is what I'm calling you into. Are you ready to lose the parts of your life that don't belong? And before you say yes, know that you love these parts. If you didn't love them, you wouldn't have them. We despise our disorientation, yet we want it. We fight for it. We're ashamed of our dirt and grime, yet we are comfortable in it. We're tortured by our thorns in the flesh, and yet we don't know how to live without it. As Christians, we understand the joy and the fear of being refined. Like the wonder and beauty that is pregnancy, we know of the excitement to come, and we know the scariness and worry and pain that goes with it. Prepare the way, John says. Do we seek refinement this Advent season? Do you? Do I? Advent offers us this opportunity to focus on the wonderful reality that God is bringing to us. And God is bringing it. We will be refined. Amen? The day is coming. 
the guest will arrive. John tells those who come to him asking if he is the Messiah, he says, hold on, I baptize with water, but one's coming who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And Jesus did give us that fire within so that we can be refined. But we have to submit to the refining. Understand, I want to be clear, refining is not going to others and telling them what they need to do. That is the opposite of refining. That's something else. That's saying, I possess the knowledge of good and evil, and I'm going to play God. That's saying, I'm going to play the judge. That's not what refining is. We are not the Holy Spirit. I am not. I have the Holy Spirit, but I am not the Holy Spirit. We are not the people that are supposed to be going around and putting others on crosses. We are to live faithfully, rather, in submission to the cross as a testament to our commitment and faith in it. Amen? We are to live faithfully in submission to the Holy Spirit and the refinement process because what better way is there to live? And our embrace of this lifestyle is what is going to shine a light in this world. Now, also understand that when you fully submit to the Spirit, and I want everybody to do this, put your hands out in front of you. Yes, you too. Look in your hands and imagine all of your life, all that you are, all that you have, all that you will be, your dreams, your goals, your hopes, your family, all are in your hands. If you're truly going to be refined, you're going to do this. Yeah, you hesitated, didn't you? Uh, I don't know about that. Or you're going to do this. Okay, I'll turn them over. Got that one. No, like this. Everything that belongs will remain. Everything. Anything that does not belong will fall away. It'll hurt. Plenty of you have seen things exit your life that were terrible for you, but it still hurt because it was part of your life. But we know that we can stand and hope that it is the better way, that, that we have faith and assurance in the God who wants good things for us. The Holy Spirit, the good news is that the Holy Spirit refines us so that we can know peace that we can know life in the way of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit leads us into the kingdom reality of God's justice here and now through the refinement. The things we think we need, we don't. And who better to tell us what we need in our life than God? Trust. Have faith. Give yourself. Lay your life down. Prepare the way for the Lord that we might stand up with a refined life. May you welcome the comings of Christ in this Advent through a refined heart this season that you may know the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen.